1: Welcome to Hot D, the officially unofficial podcast for House of the Dragon on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron, and today we're back for another season one, episode eight, the Lord of the Tides episode. This time it's the feedback episode. Aaron, we talked about this before the
0: show. I feel like the feedback is just bulging this week. I There's, think, yeah, it's, it's really burst. popping off. It's really popping off. It like it it doubled in volume again this week oh, uh, because like people that I'm telling the greens and the blacks, it's a, it's real. This is like, I I I wouldn't wear colors in certain certain communities. You uh, mm-hmm. might get jumped by a whole gang. It's it's bad out there. Be careful. Uh, we're going to try to keep it leal 100% like we do. Uh, there's a couple things, like, I thought we cleared up in the podcast, or at least how we felt about it, but I got so much feedback that I kind of want to maybe revisit or clarify. First is what I'm going to call Allison's dream fumble, the okay. final scene of the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert says, in terms of Alicent knowing if Viserys is talking to her or his daughter, I think many fans of the show are confused. Alicent does not think Viserys is talking about Aegon's prophecy. The show has set up since the first episode that Viserys had a dream that he would have a son who would be his heir. I think this is the prince that was promised, that Alicent believes Viserys is speaking about. To me, it never seemed that she thought he was speaking to Rhaenyra at all. She wholeheartedly believes he was talking to her about their son Aegon, when in fact he was talking about Aegon the Conqueror. She believes he's talking about his prophetic dream. I think the twist is actually the entire reason they included the prophecy of Aegon's dream, which it seems he only told Rhaenyra about. I can't decide if I love it or hate it, but after thinking about it, they seem to be setting it up since episode one. So fair enough. Uh, I actually talked about this, uh, hmm. with our, um, buddy Pete peppers. Mm-hmm. Cause he kind of like, you know, kind of interrogated me about our takes on this. um, as I said on, and I don't know how if you've changed your feelings, but as I said on the main podcast, I, I I recognize what I said on instant take was wrong. I think the show's perspective is clearly that Alicent is misunderstanding what Viserys is saying and applying it to her son because she, yeah, of course she doesn't know. The other wrinkle is she doesn't know anything about this other Aegon prophecy, mm-hmm. and like Robert here points out, Viserys has told her about the other dream right am i am yeah. i wrong that he, he did tell her about the other dream about i wanted a male heir you know yeah i think there was a fireside scene a long yes. time ago
1: where he confessed some of that stuff
0: i thought so too uh and like i said so i think that's what Roberts recalling here the the only difference is i got the clear impression that Allison, like I, I don't think any of this stuff that Viserys did was going to stick. It was a matter of something was going to blow it up, or someone is going to ruminate on a hurt feeling or a misstep, and like there's no way that old man did enough in that one night to undo all that stuff. Sure, because sure. the the question you got to ask is, does Allison really think? That this king spent heroic efforts in the previous twenty four hours to make sure that everyone knows Rhaenyra is the heir, and that he sees that her children are his legitimate successors, and that anything to the contrary is hearsay, her- heresy, and treason. Does she think now that he's had he had his big cup of the poppy, his thirty two months big gulp of the copy of the, of the poppy? That a few mumbled words about Aegon, where she's like, "What Aegon? Who? What?" Uh? Like that—that that overrides the previous twenty-four hours. That to me sounds like yeah. someone who wants to reach a conclusion. Because, like, mm-hmm. maybe you are a little right, and that there is an additional part of the prophecy. What at what point do you think that like the answer to that is going to be to completely throw out the king's succession plan? You know. Like what 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 kind of rational reaction would you have to that? Like, well, maybe we'll have to see. Maybe there'll be some kind of crazy sickness that will take Rainier's whole line out. Maybe they'll die in battle. Maybe Aegon will have this unlikely. But like, I don't know, like we'll have to judge what Alicent does next episode. But like you got to ask yourself, are they the actions of someone who got a half mumbled prophecy while the king was in the cups? Or, you know, are they the action of a careful, studious, thoughtful? I don't know that's how yeah, i that was man who has been
1: setting it. up this uh succession for years right i mean right. he's he's been setting this in motion uh he's been reinforcing the idea that rhaenyra is going to be on the throne this entire time yeah and now in his final moment he's saying a thing that's a little confusing and she's going to take that as oh throw all that out and, and my son right. needs to be a king uh yeah yeah you're right that's that's
0: crazy that's weird she does
1: I think the confusing I think that shows her here
0: her internal mental state and how she's thinking, you know, about the thing. Yeah, and and that might very well
1: be what she takes away from that. Uh, yeah. It's kind of crazy, but it it's it's self fulfilling, uh, it kind of wish there, right? Like, oh, I want my son to be on the throne, and well, the king said Prince Aegon, or well, he he implied that Prince Aegon is supposed to be the one to unite the realm, so.
2: I'm going to go ahead and
1: on this path. But and, and that's again, the thing he, he, she when he's like saying Aegon and stuff and and mumbling, she's like Prince Aegon and yes. she's, she's trying to like confirm what she thinks she's hearing here. Yeah. And of course, Viserys is not confirming it because he's out of it. But like, right. Yeah, I could see her. I could see her mistaking what he's saying yeah. for like Prince Aegon talking about Prince Aegon. But yeah. To have that kind of reaction and just totally
0: overthrow what he wanted and obviously wanted and set up for the past ten years is ridiculous. And as and again, as as Lord Commander of the Kingsguard here, trying to protect my man Jim. Jim Jim said a lot of things that I don't like. Phrase things like Allison wants her son on the fr- throne, and Allison is like implying a certain amount of like ambition and pride, which I think that she is just scared to death that if she does anything but at, at put Aegon on the throne that they're all going to die. I think she and like you can you can debate whether that would really hmm. happen whether Rhaenyra would really hold it whether all the lords of the realm forming against her if keep putting her feet to the fire and as, you could argue that All I'm saying is you need to consider that Allison genuinely believes that and it's not Allison believes that it's not that she's acting out of any kind of pride or prejudice or anything like her father has successfully put that earworm in there, which, again, I believe is what would happen if I'm I I believe 100% that, that what Otto says is going to happen unless the Targaryens had gotten all their ducks in a row the last 20 years and really mm-hmm. worked on that and hammered that and had Rhaenyra front and center and having the Lords coming through and doing an attorney every year to kiss her ass and having Otto and uh, Alison saying, I cannot believe how fucking blessed we are to have this next protector of the realm being groomed by the King. And she's a dragon rider. Look how like they would have to been doing that from day one and they didn't. So like, I think yeah. Alicent, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I think Alicent is definitely reaching for something that she wants to be true because <laughs> that feels safer to her than trusting that Rhaenyra, in her mind, a uh, tempestuous liar, is going to hold the line and not murder her children when it means her getting the realm, you know? Hmm. Yeah,
1: I guess there there isn't really any indication that scene that she understands he's talking to Rhaenyra or thinks he's talking to Rhaenyra. So yes,
0: I I I think I that she this this is as close to an honest miscommunication as you can get. I just think it's 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 wild to me to throw out the very explicit instructions over the half mumbled dream you know dream talk. Right, right.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, another one on Handmaiden Poet Poison. I um. Meredith points out, I really do, do not think that Alicent poisoned the handmaiden, uh, the Aegon raped, because what? she has no real reason to. The noblemen in what? Westeros get, get chambermaids pregnant all the time and never face consequences for it. If she did tell, no one would care if they even believed her in the first place. A lesson we've always learned from Gurm is that the wealthy have the power to play with the lives of the poor and they always win. There's just no need to kill a perfectly good handmaiden. Then why does she care about this at all? If this is just like commonplace and nobody gives a shit, then why does she care? Because she very See, much cares. That's the difference, and the difference is that Allison's self perception of herself and the thing that she's clinging to that makes her better than Rhaenyra is that she is righteous and holy and right. and right with the gods. Yeah, that's why this Aegon stuff. Because if she if if she says that you know what this Aegon stuff's no big deal. So you rate, you know, whatever we'll get into. It. It's if she'd done that, then how is she better than Rhaenyra's side of things? Mm-hmm. Who's pretty feet tramples over decency and duty and all these other things like she's like she, that she can't do that because if that if she gives that up, pff, the whole game goes away, right? Sure. Doesn't make her a bad person. It's a very human thing to do. But I do think <laughs> that that's that's I think that's why the handmaid's got to die. Because if it gets out that they are anything less than 100% holy and righteous, because I said, she went to egg on it's not like you made me kill a handmaid, what well, maybe she didn't, but she's like, mm-hmm. what does this, how does this make me look? How does this make your wife look? You know, it's less about the inherent wrongness or rightness of it. And I think that's telling. Yeah, it's about their image. Cyrus writes in and says, Gurm today and is not a blog confirmed that, uh, Viserys and Allison have had a fourth child off screen, the name of Darien. And he's holding, uh, hanging out in, in old town. Uh, hmm. and, and he included a clip from his blog that parenthetically, George Martin says, yes, Allison gave Viserys four children as I outlined in fire and blood, three sons and a daughter. Their youngest son, Darren, uh, is down in old town. We just not have the time to work him in the season. Uh, he's talking about in, you know, how he feels about the time jumps, which he thinks are very positive and, you know, which kind in that of case he should, they should never work him in. Right. Like, look, well, we've already got
1: three kids. I don't know that we need a fourth that appeared off that, that was born off screen. That's going to
0: be super confusing to people. So that's what, si- that's what Cyrus said. He goes, I'm surprised if true, that they've not even bothered to mention him on, mention him on the show. I would have expected him to be mentioned at least in the background is just, just an oversight by the show. Do you think? And, What's weird is I'm like, I don't understand what the big deal is. If Darren decide, it turns out to be important, they can just establish him at the beginning of next season. Oh, we have another kid, you know, whatever. Uh, are people going to be like, is that going to be an iron? But, but I noticed that like Joanna Robinson, who normally is one to smooth things over with the canon, You know, I feel like she's got pretty well-developed suspensions of disbelief and she can kind of like, well, if you look at it from this, she <laughs> was having a big problem with this on Twitter. Like she's like, dang really you're gonna have another kid and not even like it's wild she described it to like have a, <laughs> another baby and not even have it like referred to as you know is your brother coming in for such and such no no he's still off with the ma-, you know they not even mention it D- and, and you think so too so I guess I think it's this yeah, is a big deal I think it'd be a little confusing it,
1: here, here's why it would be confusing because the show has encouraged us to see the conspiracy everywhere and mm. I feel like if another Targaryen child shows up, it, I would be side-eyeing this kid going, okay, uh, what is the deal here? Is this some plot by somebody to establish like some claim on the throne or a kingdom or a lordship somewhere? I Yeah, it, I would be mistrusting this person automatically. And
0: maybe they can a, play And the show that. has taught you that having children is a part of statecraft oh yeah a surprise child popping up what have you being like whoa 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 what's this kid's hair color can we see its birth certificate long form please (laughs) right exactly was this kid even born in westeros uh yeah right no i can i can see that i don't know i mean they can do it so that'd be i mean yeah and i also like the show i feel has shot itself in the foot a couple times most shows do You know, it's just like, Mm -hmm. uh, can you can you soldier on like the or are you going to you going to just curl up and die? Um, And it it could be that that might be another self-inflicted foot gunshot wound. We'll see. I feel like they don't even need to mention him, but it depends on how important he is to the cannon, I guess.
1: Indeed. If he has a a particularly important role to
0: play. Because, because that's the thing. Like maybe maybe Darren doesn't do anything, but yeah. uh, sit and be fat and happy. And in for which sure. case, uh, why do you need him? That's what four sons are for, right? I <laughs> they mean, don't yeah. have to do anything. They don't get sure
1: plans or titles or really anything. They just kind of sit him to around. The, and,
0: why waste time at Old Town? Like, he's going to forge it. Just send him to the to him take right. the Right
1: yeah send him off to the wall. you don't have to take the black. he can just sit around and make some models like make, make nah, some man you're all about models. you're all
0: about defending the world from the white walkers send your send your fourth son to the wall dude uh, yeah yeah come fair. on you got three others <laughs> dallas and nashville why did vegar go to G- driftwood if lena had died in pintos when the dragon rider dies, does it not release the dragon? Why would she make the trip over the sea just to sit off the sides for the funeral ceremony where someone could claim her and require her to keep flying and eventually fighting in a war, when she likes to just wanted to chill for the rest of her life? I realize it allows the story to continue because Eamon was able to claim her. But logically, shouldn't she have been able to go live our life like she did before Lena claimed her? She could, but she probably loved Lena, right? Wanted to be I, there. Th- yeah. For so her like a moment. This is one of these exciting, exhilarating moments where, like, the canon is kind of silent. Like, the fire and blood, uh, everything happens slightly differently. But, yeah, the dragon was some other place with Lena. They they clearly make her f- funeral conspicuously on Dragonmark. And all the dragons come there. And then later, Aemon's able to claim her. So, like, we get to kind of just make shit up, as far as I can tell. And I think Jim's got a good start here. That, like, that dragon-riding bond is intense. Mm-hmm. Maybe even especially so, since like, what does Vagar think about what she did? Like, I don't think she was super comfortable <laughs> dracarising her master, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, is that dragon going to be like? Could you get the dragon to leave her body? Uh, you know, and they, like, I, I mean, they're 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 carrying it and they're taking it to this and they're doing like, does she just follow until it's like, a, like until the person gets uh in in you know either completely burnt to a crisp and ashed or. Like, is there something that, the, like, a dragon kind of grieves? Is that, I mean, I, I think these are, yeah, I don't know. You'd have to ask George. Yeah, that's the answer, right? We don't
1: really know, but. Yeah. Probably something about the bond. You know, I'd hate to be the person whose job it is to shoo away a clingy dragon. Like, I sure. I get a little nervous and my cat's going to scratch me when I try and shoo her off the couch. Right. Yeah. Vagar? Uh,
0: yeah. yeah. Hey, good luck, dude. The The other angle is, like, you got to think that, like, all the dragons of House Targaryen are their kin. Like, this is a very small subsect of dragons that kind of fled to Valerian and, and um, most uh, of these, yeah. most of the dragons are going to be direct descendants or kin or related to, so, like, the idea that if you are riderless... Um, where are you going to go? Like, it's it's telling that Vegar didn't go like fuck off some other part of the world. She kind of haunted, you know, the the eastern coast of Westeros. Um, so yeah, I think that she would probably be inclined to maybe go back to Dragonstone anyway. Um, and like not just to be completely off to parts unknown because like why run away from your pack, you know?
1: Yeah, I'll so. just
0: head stuff, but yeah, possible. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to think about. You have to ask George though. It's a good question. Courtney from Austin says, I want to get your thoughts on if the showrunners for House of the Dragon have information from Gurm about a song and a song of ice and fire that we don't. There's still lots of hot D to talk about. We'll be back right after the break.
2: With Kizik hands Free Shoes, Motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks.
1: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check.
0: Uh I think I'm gonna start calling I noticed a Jason Conceptuan calls the a song of ice and fire acronym uh ass ASLOF because As- it's every time like it takes you guys three seconds to type, it takes me half a minute to say. Assloff. Assle <laughs> Um no, it's Asslewoff, I think. Because that's not an L, that's an I. Assle off. Asseloff. Yeah. Uh we got German and Asseloff now, it's official. In the after episode short, Paddy Considine is talking about Viserys being vindicated 200 years later over his prophecy, but a Targaryen isn't on the throne when the white walkers come south and a Targaryen isn't the one who kills the night King. So how the hell is Viserys right? Gurm has been closely involved in the show and has given us his stamp of approval. Could he have given Condal updated bullet points for where winds of winter is heading? Uh, mm. Or am I grasping at straws possible that winds of winter is still moving forward? well <laughs> well yeah i mean that's that's ta- yeah it's that's for granted courtney it's um, given. I, I do think that he's still working on it obviously um and yes i don't think germ thinks that his book is going to end anything like the game of thrones series like, oh yeah it's been more and more obvious from his public statements, even though they're all very couch and diplomatic and whatnot, that he was not especially happy with his relationship to that show towards the end. And certainly what they decided to do to his canon. Um, yeah. And there's a couple things that like are de- like, I-, I think that he is kind of blessed that Bran is going to be the king at the end. Ooh, But a lot of people that's had a
1: problems with that
0: right and, and it's like, I, it's like I, and I, I think I even said on the show it's like I don't have a problem with that being the destination I just don't know how we got there and I think sure Gurm probably has a whole lot of other way I mean like that I, I was just that last season or two was just a real slapdash mess mm-hmm. so um, I think yes I think of course the other thing is you gotta yeah, I was gonna say like these actor interviews like <laughs> big pinch of salt because what Gurm has told Condal, almost certainly he has not told Patty Constantine, you know, like, uh, and everyone's got their private interpretations and, um, and, and whatnot. But, but yeah, I think, I think, yeah, that, that some of this stuff is hinting towards a quote unquote true retelling of what happens in Wins and, and Dream. Uh, Michael T says, in this episode, the time jumps finally broke my suspension of disbelief. Yet another episode where me and my wife are trying to figure out where we are, when we are, and who, This is because there's yet another entire cast change for the children. Totally robbed me of the emotional payload that Viserys dropped with Patty Constantine's absolute heart-wrenching performance. Really, if they just get to whatever time period they need to get, that gives the show a permanent cast. I mean, I hear you. I'm not feeling this at all, but it's not something you're alone with in the feedback and when I look out on the internet. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm a weird
1: case, right? Because I'm watching it, Twice at least every week. I'm sitting down and actually thinking and pausing and thinking about, okay, where are we? Who are these people? How are they all related? Is this still the same person? I think it is. How have they changed in the last five years? Uh, And and I'm only really confused for the first few like minutes of the episode, right? It's like five minutes in. I'm going, okay, they've reestablished everybody. I'm, I'm getting comfortable here, but Yeah, if if you're watching it once and not like pausing and stopping to like think, okay, who are these people? These episodes move kind of fast at the beginning too, because they're having to reorganize a whole bunch of stuff. Like tell you, okay, what's happened with these fifteen characters that are all super important to the plot, and they got to do that in a few minutes to get you comfortable, so they can tell a story that they actually want to tell in this episode. So it's, I, I imagine, it's tough.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, you know I asked this on the main podcast. Like Jim, do you think uh, we're about done at the time jump? And you mentioned that there might be yet one more. But I feel like there has to be. There's, we are getting caught up to where I kind of thought we would begin. This, the, the. Uh, I really <laughs> thought where we would begin. Yeah, I honestly thought. I think I'm on record. If you go back and listen to the preview things, I thought that we would open up very similarly to Game of Thrones, where yep. we have a a, a death a shady death in the, in the red keep. It was John Aaron in the first series. It was going to be King Viserys. Mm-hmm. And we are going to have a series of flashbacks to kind of establish like why things are happening, but we're going to write some, so we, I was thinking there were to be some shaky episodes. Then you get to the war. No one would think about. It. So like, I, I mean, mm-hmm. from my perspective, this is all a very pleasant surprise because this is way better than I thought they could do it. But like, I also would recognize it is moving pretty quick. And maybe maybe it's like, yeah, it definitely seems a big divide between book reader, non book reader. And there's also some showrunners that don't care either. Um, and I wonder if it's like there's like a correlation to like how face blind you are, <laughs> you know, like if you yeah. struggle with like that, like, is that because like this must be hell, right? Yeah. I mean, the names don't help. Normally, I use faces names to ground me
1: in like who's who. But you can't in this because they change so frequently, especially for the kids. So right Yeah, having 15 kids in the show who are all named variations on four letters is like,
0: it's hard. It's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot. Yeah. Uh, Ryan says, with Otto Hightower claiming the realm would not accept Rhaenyra's claim of succession and a war was coming, there's only one way I believe a peaceful succession of power could have been achieved. Abdication. Viserys, while still alive, gives up the throne and oversees the peaceful transition of power to Rhaenyra. This way, there can be no further claim that the throne could pass to Aegon, as the king's wishes are not only 100% known, but overseen in his lifetime. Had this been done shortly after the events of Driftmark, he could have helped Rhaenyra's transition and put at ease the mind of Queen Alicent, as there would be no threat to her children as Rhaenyra's reign would be well on its way once Viserys passes. Do you believe that this would have put the Dance of Dragons to bed before the music starts playing, or would the realm rebel against Rhaenyra once Viserys passed, as Otto predicted? What do you think about interesting? I thought so, too. I did a little bit of research and Mm -hmm. it turns out there's almost no canonical example of a person (laughs) abdicating (laughs) any position in Game of Thrones, except when they take the black, either in disgrace or like when um, uh, the Lord Mormont said Jorah is come of age and I don't want to sit here, my bloated ass getting in his way, so I'm going to go take the black and I'm going to let my son inherit. There seems like there's, if you, if you do that, you have to do something that takes yourself off the chessboard. Hmm. Um, Robert fan, uh, King Robert fantasized about it when he's talking to Ned. He's like, you know, I'm not cut out to be king. I've thought like like so many mornings I, I w- wake up and I open my eyes and I think I should be an Essos on a horse with a hammer, cell sorting and whoring. Cause that's what I was built for. But <laughs> mm-hmm. if I do that, then Joffrey takes a throne and look at him, Ned. Yeah. Look at this fucking yeah. kid. Uh, so like, but nobody ever does it. And I, I think it's because like Westeros, like that means something like you serve for life or you fucking take the black because there's no takes backsies, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I think that that's like v- visiers might be forced to take the black. And then the charm about taking the black is you can't do shit, you know? You kind of have Man. to watch the realm burn. That's your really job. Adds to
1: the pressure for the kids, right? The the, the next in line for the throne. When you yeah. your kid coming up, and you know that there's no way out of it except for, I,
0: I mean, you either take the throne, or you take the black. That's like, that's a lot of pressure. Damn. And there's a lot of precedence for like kings taking their you know uh successors and making them the hand mm-hmm. or giving them very important positions that you know kind of so like you this, this shouldn't be your first command you know but there's no, also totally. a lot of a lot of babe kings that end up on the throne and yeah they people have, die early yeah they have regents kind of helping them out and so, yeah, that, so I, that's um like whether it
1: has happened, but what do you think would have happened if Viserys had done that? Like if he had just said, all right, I'm taking the black (laughs) he's going up to the wall and now Rhaenyra is going to be
0: queen. I think, yeah, I I think once he gets to the wall, like shit happens, like he's dead because I think, yeah, I really do. He gets Jon Snowed up there. Yeah. No, I don't think that they, I don't, I just think he's left a rod up there and he is literally unable to do anything. Like, I mean, You know, there are occasions where the Lord Commander has raised banners. I mean, hell, Jon Snow did it and got involved in the politics of the land. But that is nearly unprecedented. It's happened like two times in Westerosi history. And one of the times it happened... uh, they made sure that the 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 Night's Watch can no longer have castles that face any direction except for north. Because mm-hmm. it's like, hey, you raise your banners against us. We're just going to come and kick your ass in because you got no walls and you got don't got a tenth of our resources. So it's just a bad idea. You have to have an immense popular will or mandate or, you know, so I, I think that, yeah, it just it kicks. I actually think it kicks off the dance early if. It seems like it was a more of a culturally accepted practice to abdicate and, like, Viserys could, like, still use his personal charm and connections to kind of smooth things over and be like, hey, I'm going to be, you know, giving her guidance and I'm going to be your consigliere, maybe. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, it doesn't yeah. seem like that's how they roll in Westeros. Gotcha. If, if anyone has any, uh, like I said, I, I did a little bit of research into it. If anyone's got, uh, can gainsay me, send that in, hotd at baldmove.com. Uh, Nicole says, I have a quick question about the marriage proposal that Rhaenyra made in this episode involving Laina's daughters. Why would she make a proposal to Rhaenys when Daemon is their father? I understand Rhaenys is a powerful ally, and she's very much involved in her granddaughter's lives, but in a patriarchal society like Westeros, I'm not sure why she needs her approval.
2: Hmm. You got an
0: idea? Because I got a clear answer, but I want to see... Really? What the king makes of it, yeah. I don't know. I mean... Is it because she
1: doesn't want to fight over? Well, she needs her, right? She needs. Yes. She, she needs her in this moment. So she's asking for her approval, even though maybe she doesn't need the actual approval. Yeah,
0: this is where Manly I'm guess. trying to help people understand to like look beyond the rules and even like the subtext, like this underlying patriarchy and always look at the political angle. Mm-hmm. Rhaenyra does not need her permission you're right technically legally right because but not even, even probably in practice because Damon's for it I think the girls uh-huh. seem like they were all for it Um, like there's nothing like but what she needs from Raynus is her support at court yeah and what she's saying is this thing I'm proposing is it pleasing enough to you that you will give me your support you know I don't need your permission mm-hmm. I do need your support does that make sense yeah to me yeah sure so that's uh, and it's like you know she could force but like if you're not going to get the power of Valerian behind you why the hell would you marry those children like sure. you would you would go and you know marry them to the sea lord of Bravos if you really want to cause a stir or the Braffians yeah, I mean, seal that up or they could be better used to, to shore up support from another powerful Entity, yeah right? go to jane uh, in uh, the 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 veil because she's the only other lady mm-hmm. regent and maybe she would you know marry a son or a daughter and and uh s- s- so that that alliance up yeah go go to allison's parents
1: and and see if they'll they'll trade their loyalty for a child <laughs> king
0: child queen whatever ship has sailed uh, Tiana from Kansas City says, want to hear your thoughts on something I've wondered about these last three episodes. Why are Jason, and Luke the only characters with nicknames? I know Jacerus and Luceris might be a bit harder to say and viewers uh, to follow, but nicknames read a bit disenchanting to me. Wondering about your thoughts if there may be any significance mm. of the nicknames. You got any thoughts on this, Jim? I don't know, because the audience gives nicknames to, like, Rhaenyra, right? They call her Rey, um
1: which... Is ve- is even more confusing given the amounts of characters that start with Ray. Um, yeah, I think you call him Nira niece right? And Nah, <laughs> Nah, <laughs> yeah, Nah. nah. Uh, so, so I don't know, but these are in-world nicknames. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure.
0: I think it's one of the things where, why do some people have nicknames and some people don't? in, like real life, right? And then like sure. in Game of Thrones, why why is eddard ned yeah. Yeah. instead of ed or eddie right and i know there's a reason for that in old english and stuff but like why are masters called masters and sirs called sirs? like i think it's part of this through the looking glass thing where martin is generating an extremely realistic alternate world and it recognizably feels real, but it's also just exotic enough where it feels kind of fantastic too. Like, oh, their nicknames mm-hmm. are weird, or like, oh, their chivalry has got an e, and you know, their title of sh- sh- chivalry mm-hmm. has an e instead of an i. That's interesting. How? What weird? You know, it's kind of like when you're watching for all mankind, where the Russians beat America to the moon. It's like one of the pleasures of that show is every decade goes by, and it's like, what are the subtle differences? They call email d-mail for digital mm-hmm. mail. Huh. yeah interesting how the butterfly flapped I, I I think it's just that I think it's just yeah, you've got all these confusing names where you'd think you would have some kind of shorthand to tell them apart and then you've got Jacers and Luke Harris, which are pretty distinctive and you say, oh, that's Jake and Luke yeah, yeah, <laughs> right yeah, like like the Duke's a fucking hazard these guys <laughs> uh Jack Dean from Tulsa, Oklahoma. I keep hearing that the show is going to be a few seasons And I'm curious how Based on the events of episode 8 It feels like the rest of the events of Dance of the Dragons Could take 3-5 to more episodes at most An entire second season or beyond That seems like way too much time for the events to come Am I missing something? Jim, they just killed Archduke Ferdinand Surely This (laughs) world war thing is about to wrap up Can there be more plot? Can there possibly
1: be more plot? And then this was supposed to be the war to end all wars. What the hell? We got another <laughs> war coming. Yeah, I mean, yeah. These things have a tendency to what spiral out. Um, yeah. And I'm. I look. I haven't read the the Fire and Blood book. I don't know exactly what's coming, but that's the thing. They've got a roadmap, and. It seems like the roadmap they've used so far is like one tenth of the roadmap that exists for this thing. So yeah, that's exactly they've done right. a, almost an entire season with it. Yeah. So we got, I don't think it's a stretch to say that Dance of Dragons and and the aftermath until this thing settles down could take two, three, four seasons.
0: Yeah, we've got somewhere, and I I've, I know I used to know the exact number. Uh, somewhere between 140, 170 pages out of the 700 page Fire and Blood are about the Dance of the Dragons. And we've mm-hmm. covered twenty-ish pages of that. Yeah. So, so 10, there's percent. Lots there. more to come. And again, like that first episode was like a paragraph and a half, you know? Like they uh-huh. really make a meal out of some of this stuff. And it doesn't that's the thing, is like it doesn't feel like they are padding time. It doesn't feel like they're dragging hmm. their heels. It feels like this they're is a to me color. I, yeah. I mean, anything people are like, oh, my God, this is going way too fast where I'm like, <laughs> you know, no, they're. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I I, it can definitely be stretched out more, man. There's a lot, a lot. There's a whole there's a lot to come, a lot more to come. Uh, Scott says it's official. We have a new Clegane Bowl. It's Damon and Amon, right? Right. Watching Driftmark, I was thrilled to see Aemon's character get fleshed out. Only be rewarded this week with a standoff with appears to be his idol, Damon. Yeah, i especially enjoyed the cutaway to Damon after the Vayman's beheading and the look of approval he has for Damon, and then him backing down after the dinner party. Is this the uh, the 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 blonde bull? <laughs> sure, the sure. the Targaryen bull, the dragon bull. Dragon Ball, Z. <laughs> Dragon Ball <Z>. <laughs> <laughs> I got who? Which of their? Uh-huh. we gotta know which one of their power levels go over those over nine thousand. Which mm-hmm. one's gonna go Super Saiyan? When they go Super Saiyan, does their hair turn black? It must. It has to. Yeah, because you can't get more Saiyan than their hair currently is. <laughs> the scene is strong
1: it, with the Saiyans. It, here's how I want it to end. I want yeah. Damon to come up behind Amon at some point chop the top of his head off and say he can keep his lips and then you just see a close-up on those stupid purse lips <laughs> that Eamon's got because that's his defining feature. Yes, yes, the man has an eye patch. Yes, the man lost half his face.
0: The defining feature of this guy's is his stupid lips. I think his defining nature is that he is a villain on LazyTown. His whole face, his whole face is like a Dick Tracy character. I don't yeah. I don't know what's yeah. going on with the guy um, maybe without the wig and the thing like may this guy might may, maybe pulls like a monster truck. I don't know, but he <laughs> does have a fun. He does have a funny face to me, I think. Let's move on from Nolan in Maryland says, my question is, why is everyone so worried about the fleets of the Driftmark being left to a child like Luke? Uh, if he's too young to command a fleet, wouldn't he just be assigned a regent, same as any other lord or ruler who assumes their seat before adulthood? Mm-hmm. Everyone crying about how war is upon us, and do you really want a child in command when that happens? Seems to be ignoring the fact that it would be the king's regent who would be in charge, not the Luke himself. Or is all this a farce and pretense for the bastard uh, succession accusations? I think you're right. What do you think? I think there'd be a regent of some kind, right? There would. And- would he be better than you know, the second in command of Driftmark for almost its entirety of its campaign. Like I think Probably not. I think these I think switching horses midstream is a valid argument. That yeah, even if it's a regent, yeah. it clearly wouldn't be Veymond, right? Because he's like, fuck all this. Um, and Joffrey had a regent too. That didn't go
1: so well. I mean right. you know, regents are no guarantee that the child is actually going to listen because
0: they do actually have the yeah. power, right? And eventually, yeah, when he comes of age, he will take command, and that could be, like, 16. And then, like, what if he is indifferent? Or what if he is terrible but thinks he's good? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think I think the most powerful fleet in Westeros being commanded by a child of uncertain ability is, it's, it's, again, I'm more of like Lord Beesberry. It's like, well, ability doesn't mean anything about rights, dude you know like this is the way the realm works if it you know if he sucks he'll probably die Um, (laughs) Uh but yeah I I think I don't think it's I don't think it's crazy Alina Max says I felt like Rainus, the queen who never was had three arguments ready for when she would speak to the Iron Throne she was going to argue for herself and granddaughter Bela if Alicent was on the throne for brother-in-law Vayman if Otto sat the throne and Rhaenyra and their marriage alliance only if Viserys was sitting on the throne that's how I interpreted hmm. the line Rhaenys said to Rhaenyra and the gods would. Tomorrow, they'll force you to your knees, and then I must stand alone. Rhaenys is very smart and became this powerful by flowing with the tide. I didn't think of, especially the difference between Allison and Otto, but I think this is mm-hmm. a pretty shrewd analysis. It's possible.
1: Yeah, there's nothing to really indicate that that's the case. There, There's like a look that Rhaenys gives as Viserys is climbing those stairs, but I... Uh-huh. I
0: don't exactly know how to interpret that look. And I, I, I'm also going to guess that I don't think Rhaenyra, Renice in a million years, I'm sorry, I mispronounced that, Rhaenys. I don't <laughs> think rainus in a million years would have thought that Viserys gets... So I think she's probably just like, okay, well, if it's Alicent, maybe I got a chance to advocate for myself. Mm. Um, but if it's Otto, I'll probably just back Vaymond and hope that he doesn't fuck me too bad. Yeah, um, it's possible. Yeah. I do think that she is very... I wish we gotten more of her because I think she's got kind of like that queen of thorns. Yep. Wit and wisdom to her. She's got but, a finger up telling which way the wind's blowing. And right. But the, the problem is Corliss isn't a dummy. Like, you know, that the, the, the lady, uh, the lady Olenna stood out because all the men in her house were fools. Sure. Where Corliss is, you know, he's, I don't know. He, he's, he's certainly not a fool. Uh huh. Josh says, was the pig thing really planned? I thought it was a coincidence, and Luke just ruined things by laughing. I think the eldest boys really could have been friends. Uh, Sure, Aegon is a bit of a dick, but if them barking at each other was all that happened, I think things could have gone okay. Hmm. What do you think? Was that... I I still think it was staged. I went and rewatched it again, because it's like, if it was for everybody, why did they make a show of, like, hovering it over Aemond and... I I feel like the eye also like I and that's the one thing. It's like I even on my 4K television I couldn't quite tell if that's just what a pig's eye looks like when it's been cooked or if someone put it out intentionally. Hmm. But I felt like yeah. it was a put on. There's some anticip- there's some anticipatory giggles from the kids, I thought that was the dead giveaway.
1: Man, I only remember seeing Luke start laughing after the pig has been placed in front of him, so Uh, i i guess it's possible it wasn't planned but i don't know i i read it as planned but i couldn't tell you exactly why probably just because i remembered oh they did this intentionally to luke so or sorry to 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 james yeah no no back in the oh you're right they did it to amon yeah they, they yeah. didn't intentionally to him before. So Aegon was, was the
0: ringleader, but Jason, Luke were definitely yeah, yeah. in on the fun. And I, I felt like it as the youngest one be that that would be him to make that poor of a play. That like, oh, I'm gonna do, you know? Sure, yeah. Because he, well, like, he just, had no idea Grandad was gonna lower the boom. Like this is something. If if it was planned, it was planned out hours in advance, right? Yeah, totally. And
1: I and I could see like just a kid not realizing what a huge faux pas this is and especially like you said after this speech from viserys and trying to yeah. bring everybody together
0: It was a bad yeah. boy i will say that if it was intentional like luke was a fool for not like catching the servants and like no 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 oh actually i oh you know what i ordered the pig bring the pig over here yeah i had the pink dread right over here yeah you you gotta do something man you can't just double down yeah it's he's
1: kid though right i i don't know that he understands how disruptive this is going to be in that moment.
0: Yeah, I mean it, they are literal children. Like yeah. he's still what what 13 if that if that. Uh, yeah. Luke. Uh Alex says, "Funny how you mentioned the visual of the Valerian steel dagger between Alicent and Rhaenyra during the conflict in the last episode. Have you noticed in the title screen on HBO that the pupil or I'm sorry, the promo still with the dragon eye between the two of them fashions the pupil slit into the shape of the Valerian steel dagger?" Hmm, no. Okay, I'm glad because I've gotten this for several weeks, and I'm like, "Am I being trolled? Because this is kind of like, (laughs) did anyone else notice that in the logo of Ghostbusters 2, the ghost is holding a two out, symbolizing (laughs) that this is the C? And I'm like, "Am I? But like, apparently, so you noticed it right away. I I get a 60 inch television, 4K television, and before people are like, I'm not saying that the brand. This is like this is for my job, man. I, uh, I just don't I, I skip
1: the intro every time I skip it I don't I don't want to see any of that stuff because it's no it's A, not the intro it's literally it's like
0: when you click on the watch House of the Dragon the big banner art they have is the two oh. queens or the princess and the queen with the dragon eye between them that dragon eye slit is in the shape of the Targaryen dagger I I oh, thought yeah, it I was pay like even again less attention to that okay I'll see so yeah, that's what I thought. I thought it was so obvious that I didn't feel like it was worth but I'm now I'm glad so. We, we the, 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 check it out. It's a sick, yeah, sick I piece will. of promotional art. Uh, John Jay says, Aemon is going to be everyone's favorite villain for sure, but I think he'll be more of a love to hate kind of guy. unlike the hate we felt for Joffrey. Also, can you sense the somewhat admiration Aemon seems to have for Damon? He very much feels like he is cosplaying mm-hmm. as his uncle with a little solid snakes <laughs> thrown in. I can't wait for their inevitable conf- confrontation. Uh, I think this is right. Like Aemon yeah. is not like Joffrey. Eamon seemed like a nerdy little kid that got bullied and Mm -hmm. he's like Ender from Ender's Game. We're like, yeah, maybe you shouldn't beat the teeth out of this kid's skull in that bathroom, but also maybe they shouldn't have tortured the little kid, you know, maybe they shouldn't push that little guy to his breaking point. I I think Eamon's cool.
1: Yeah, no, he's he's like uh, the bully who then gets swole and goes and practices like Brazilian right. jiu-jitsu or something so that right. nobody can ever do that to him again right uh yeah, yeah. and I, I don't know how smart he is um he certainly got got some good jabs in this week with the strong stuff um so he seems to be at least a little bit intelligent but is he cunning is he i, I don't really know anything about him right um right like I said, I don't think it was a calculated move to steal Vegar. I think it just happened because he was a kid who wanted mm-hmm. a dragon, and he won the biggest one. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. I, I'm I'm still very much up in the air on who he is and how he's going to conduct himself. But yeah, so far I can tell he's a very impressive fighter, and uh-huh. he doesn't take shit. And he seems he seems almost eager to get into situations that are confrontational
0: i think people need to embrace the term problematic fave okay no one would describe joffrey as a problematic fave or if they did you would like (laughs) take a step or two back from them yeah but like damon damon's a problematic fave he does some heinous shit he killed that lady because he didn't want to be married to her no more that ain't cool but sure. he also, you know, did you see the way he took Vayman's head off? Like that's mm-hmm. fucking cool. He's also really sexy. He looks good in armor. He's our problematic fave. We don't have to defend it. Sure. We don't have to get up on our feelings when people say, "Well, Damon he killed that lady." Yeah, because he's our problematic fave. Uh, but then you know, again, if we start saying Joffrey's our problem, then then we need to be called out. But yeah, we'll 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 figure this out as a community. I I, I have faith.
1: There's still lots of hot D left to talk about. We'll be right back after the break. We're getting geared up for the 6th annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make.
0: And now, back to Hot Deep. Um, Luke says, Is there anything to the dinner table in reference to Viserys' face? I noticed the side of his face that is dead is where the High Towers and his children, Alicent, sat. His healthier side is where his grandchildren, Daemon and Rhaenyra, sat. Is this foreshadowing? Or is this just a show again showing its allegiance to the blacks? Um, I, well, one correction, Aegon was sitting to his healthy side because he was sitting beside and and helena too right yep so it wasn't a hundred percent but what do you do is this the show again putting that thumb on the side of the black showing that oh the corruption and all this is over there i don't know because yeah it's the healthy side of his face but it's the fucked up side of his body so True.
1: true i don't know
0: Kind of blows the hand theory out of the water, too, doesn't it? Because the corrupt hand was on the side of his healthy hand. Sure. And his sure. The face. hand always sits to his right, which is his healthy hand. I I don't know, man. But this is, this is how know. propaganda starts. Number one, this is an account that was not true to begin with. <laughs> right. There were children from the so-called accursed side sitting on his good side. And also, what is his good side? Is it his rotten face or is it his rotten torso? Because, mm-hmm. yeah. This is uh, share that on Facebook, and uh, you'll you'll get you'll get uh, reshared a thousand times before someone comes in and says, "No, wait a minute!" And right. uh, yeah, this greens and blacks at three seasons of wait. Just wait, just wait, <laughs> wait. I, I hope there's not violence breaking out at cons. That's all I'm hoping for. Come on, people, huh. we're better than this. Nina says, "I have a question about Princess Rainis." She kicks off the episode of High Tide on Driftmark Throne, saying that she hasn't seen her gravely injured husband Corliss for six years. I actually said, wait, what? Out loud when watching the episode for the first time on Sunday. Does she not have a 747S dragon? She can fly over to Evenfall, where Corliss apparently is. Based on Reynus' conversation, Corliss currently seems to be in the good maester's hands and is safe from further immediate danger from his Corsair foes. Why can't Reynus and or any other family members, especially the ones with Dragon Airlines private jets, go visit him? She just doesn't want to. (laughs) I don't know.
1: She could. It's it's a battle zone. Um, Who sits on the throne while she's gone? Uh, Mm. There's a lot lot of considerations there, but I don't know. Apparently, she just doesn't want to. Because you're right. She could fly down
0: there. It's like it's not even a day trip for her. I think that at this point in their relationship, um, Corliss... And this isn't book knowledge. This is maybe contra book knowledge. I think Corlys and Rhaenys are a little estranged here.
2: Hmm. I think okay.
0: she really, um, Lainor dying on oh, the eve of her yeah. daughter dying, and hers essentially saying, "This is all your fault, you jackass. You have put our children yeah. at risk." And her last child dies, and how you went you went to comfort her, and she shoved him away. I think this is a classic, like King Jaehaerys... Uh, Queen Alicent uh, or I'm seeing Alicent Rift where they had like two different quarrels where they spent like years apart because she just was so <laughs> fucking pissed at this guy I think I think I, that's what I understand that Raynus is that she is like oh if you want to go like you know get the fuck out go fight the war because I can't stand in castle no more I want right. to stay with my grandchildren and I want your ass out of here and that's what's happened that's what I so think she doesn't is going want to. on yeah but that's Makes his headcanon, because it's it's not, that's it's, it's what I think. Um, Audrey uh, says, someone in the instant talk asked for your take on what Raynus was thinking as she stood vigil over Vayman's body. I couldn't help but imagine she was picturing Corliss on the table. The <laughs> whole plot of the episode would be who succeeds Corliss if he dies from a reported wound and fever. There's no moment really given for grief on this potential passing, just who is next for titles. Um, the show has showed that Raynus and Corliss have truly loved each other. In one master stroke, she s- managed to settle the biggest disputes in her marriage by having Bela and Raina marry Jason Luke, ensuring that the line would inherit the throne. Um, so I think this combined this, this makes me even more convinced that they've had a breach, because like if you have been estranged for six years and you have really loved this person and you think you're dead, they might be dead on that breach. And you see almost a clone of their body on this table before you. Mm hmm died of violence. I I wonder if, 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 if rainus is thinking, ah, maybe I was a little too, maybe I should have gone to him. Maybe I should have ridden my dragon across the, the, the narrow sea to the stepstones. Yeah, it could be. Um, and her saying that she's not afraid of the strangers. Like, you know, I'm not, my husband's going to live or die no matter what I do, you know, mm-hmm. whether I look or, or I, I shy my eyes. Yeah, it's a good take. Thank you. Megan says, while well, listening to your coverage of this week's House of the Dragon episode, I had an idea in regards to why the dragon eggs are harvested. Aaron made a great point about the clutch appearing to be cozy and in the supportive environment for eggs already. However, it occurred to me that maybe the Targaryens harvest the eggs as a means of controlling how and when their eggs hatch. We know Targaryens have a tradition of placing an egg in the cradle with an infant. Hatching an egg in a controlled environment probably creates a stronger bond between a dragon and the rider. Rather than letting the egg hatch in the wild and attempting to later tame the young dragon. Uh I think this is probably right, right? Like if yeah. you have the technology to do something, you can probably do it better than Mother Nature a lot of times. Not all times, but <laughs> uh, you know, dragons might step on yeah. their eggs, and then again, if they just hatch willy nilly, you you want that hatchling to be with the baby. That that makes a lot of sense. Someone might steal the eggs. Someone is that, might steal the is eggs. That if they're not guarded, that's yeah. possible. I would think. I mean, well, I just saw a dude steal them. Cyrax uh-huh. wasn't watching fair. <laughs> Megan says, I do find it interesting that Cyrax brought forth three new eggs and Rhaenyra will soon have three children with Damon who may or may not have their own dragons yet. Mm. I think that's the subtext of the scene is like this side of the war is re is, is already restocking, you know? Yeah. Uh, makes sense.
1: Cause Damon's like super happy about it too. So right. the fact
0: that like their kids will get dragons, Almost assuredly, yeah. yeah. Like maybe there hasn't been a lot of dragons to go around, and it, like the way he says three dragon, can you, can you believe it? Three, three dragon <laughs> eggs. Like right. I got one, two, three like, kids. What a One, two, three eggs. What, what are the I, odds? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like the gods of old Valeria shining down. I got, yeah. I definitely got that impression. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul says one interesting note I saw around this week's episode and conclusion of Viserys' story was the way he suffered from his illness. He accepted treatment, sure, but he never complained about it. I've seen this cited as him making some sort of penance for the medical suffering he put Emma through, and I thought it was an interesting subtle angle. What's your take? Hmm. I kind of like the fact that, like, he might have seen this as a mortification of his flesh and that he wasn't going to complain too much about it because of his guilt. I don't think it's something you can prove— you know, QED from the screen, but it's a nice, I mean, shit, we, we, (laughs) we've made a couple of head cannon pieces today. So, right, right. Yeah, it's possible. Uh, Chris is just kind of wondering why Jace isn't able to hold the iron throne as well as the driftwood throne. He's currently and recently a deceased holders, firstborn offsprings, firstborn, at least on paper, wink, wink. He's only one ass, only one ass on that child. I didn't see a second ass to populate a throne this is true uh the one ad the yeah you can have many titles but the good Lord only gave you one ass or I yep. guess the three lords three lords three three ladies and the one a gender personification of death mm-hmm. only granted you the one ass to sit the seats um <laughs> yeah I, I don't know like the legitimate
1: reason but I'm going with the one ass theory.
0: Yeah. I, so I, I think it also makes good sense from like, why would you let someone hoard like 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 Robert Baratheon by inheritance would have been the lord of the seven kingdoms of Dragonstone as well as Storm's End. And yet Robert sat the Iron Throne. Uh, Stannis was given Dragonstone and Renly got the seat, the family seat of uh, Storm's End. So mm-hmm. like I think it's like a vested interest for like the Omega Lords of the land that like you want to divvy that stuff up because they're already prone to cheat and lie and rise against each other and cause a whole bunch. So like just make everybody make everybody happy, right? Um, Too many lords, not enough thrones. Well, so I I in 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 the time since all of Game of Thrones, I read this article about this guy who said there's um, this one uh, like critical societal stability indicator which is if there's too many elites for not enough elite jobs that bad things happen so like you'd see these in royal families that were prolific when once you have like 71 princes running around you don't have mm. like someone's going to have to be the royal rat catcher and that yeah. person's going to feel like fredo and what do people like fredo do they kick shit and tear shit up right uh-huh. uh people saying that like the saudis are currently a lot of the oil uh Emirates are having (laughs) troubles with this because they literally have five hundred a thousand princes and they're on these exorbitant salaries but there's nothing for them to do
2: you Mm -hmm. know
0: and that's not like what you want to hear when you're a prince born into the world right sure uh all right Jeremiah says I'm a big fan just want to share this podcast has replaced all my political podcasts that I used to listen to (laughs) wow I love how so much the feedback is people on certain sides going back and forth arguing for the preferred candidates and trashing the others it's very entertaining to see how similar it is to modern political arguments by the way also team green this is gonna Mm -hmm. be the gateway to our political section uh, which I have helpfully divided into the greens and the blacks and here's the thing I'm gonna try to finish out this season keeping it leal uh part of me keeping it leal is to disclose that i think i have an internal bias towards team black i kind of just like yes. rhaenyra and Damon a little bit better yes. and i think the show is putting its thumb on that side of the scale i think from their perspective they are the primary protagonists
1: and so, I, d- I i don't think that a woman can not sit on the throne and i like viserys
0: who is clearly team black so yeah there's a lot yes. of reasons for me to be biased towards black so now that also means that since I've disclosed this, I'm going to be more aware of it. And when I consider team black stuff, I'm probably going to be harder on team black and I'm probably going to be overextending empathy and understanding the team green. I predict mm. this will infuriate people. And <laughs> okay. next season, I'm just going to turn into Vince McMahon and I'm just going to just like fucking sorcerer's apprentice, this rage machine and see where it takes me. But I'm going to try to be Lord strong. <laughs> okay. And see if it works. Yeah. I, 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 I'm I begging you. Tears in my eyes. Can we just keep it real? All right. The Greens. First up, Nicole Davidson. Fuck him. Uh, Fuck him. I don't want to hear about the Greens. Huh? Nicholas Davidson says, hey, this is Nick from uh, California. It's my first time writing in. I know that on the last feedback, Aaron hinted that the narrative of Hot D was favoring Rhaenyra, and I totally agree. Rhaenyra and Daemon were very unlikable in the books, from what I remember. Do you think they are writing her in a more hmm. favorable light because of the response Danny got in Game of Thrones? Cause I never got any of this from the books. I kind of hated both sides. I thought there was a few characters that I liked, but mostly everyone was just shit. would like to know your thoughts on this. I feel like most
1: people in this are shit to some degree or another, right? It's just like problematic faves.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: They've, they've all got, they've all done bad shit. They all will do bad shit. They all probably are going to do bad shit in the future. You know, Here,
1: uh, here's the thing. I, I, can't remember if I made this distinction in our Better Call Saul podcast or what but there's a difference between mistakes and choices Um, Mm. when you willingly do something that you know is bad uh, it's it's much more of a problem than when you mistakenly do something that has affected people around you in negative ways and I am much quicker to forgive a mistake than an explicit choice to do harm Mm. to other people and I feel like the explicit choices are coming from Team Green, and the mistakes are coming from Team
0: Black. Yeah, but is anyone really responsible for like you know like like because why are they making this decisions? Sure, on Otto. Team green? Otto I'm Hightower I'm Hightower legal, is responsible. I'm keeping it real. And <laughs> the world, the world that shows like again, I don't think Alison oh, totally, is like being yeah. crazy here. Um, uh-huh. But one thing I will say that about the books: one thing I don't like in the books is George Martin does this shit a lot, where it's like Renera Targaryen formerly a realm's delight age and childbirth had thickened her features and from my maester's point of view didn't do it for my boner as much and she's kind of a bitch now are we right she's her fading youth no this is the this is the impartial (laughs) universe perspective and then on the other hand the still gorgeous and fuckable princess this and isn't she for, there's like this shorthand for at least women's physical beauty being a proxy for their worthiness and how huh. together they have it and i almost wonder it's to such extent that i almost wonder if martin intends it to be parody of like mm-hmm. like internal like look at these crazy old men writing this history down and essentially it's that like if a woman is intriguing to my penis, I think she's interesting and an uh, interesting character. And wor- and if she's kind of like dour uh, or that's the way people treat her, then she's just got not much going on and she's kind of silly. And she's da- I don't hmm. That's one thing that's like really fucked with me reading Fire and Blood because it's just really sexist. But hmm. it's an in-universe writing where that would be appropriate. Yeah, yeah. But there weren't any kind of homely women that kind of, like, were badasses. I guess Brienne of Tar... I don't know. That's I guess that's the counterexample. Oh, yeah. I mean, Queen of
1: Thorns, like, she's obviously uh, beyond that stuff at that point. But, yeah, she was
0: But her once live figure (laughs) shriveled (laughs) into age and thickness as she became a crone. Like, you know, it's Uh like, I don't know. I always thought that was weird. Uh, R. McKee. Our RCM says, I know the show has its thumb on the scale of Rhaenyra, but even with that thumb, Rhaenyra still comes off looking bad. This should what? say something to, <laughs> what? to keep it leal. Keep it leal, uh, Yeah, I, I mean, OK, I'm listening. To be clear, Rhaenyra co-signed the death of that random guy that was killed. That's the only way Laenor's death could be uh, faked. On the other hand, Alicent did uh, not premeditate the deaths of Family Strong. After she learned of it, she was shocked and dismayed. She also presented the psycho Larry from going forward with removing someone's eye after she had calmed down. You keep saying Rhaenyra offered Alicent a way out. No, she didn't. Rhaenyra's offer was a way for her to save herself and her plain-faced children. The offer to marry... Children that practically the whole realm knows to be illegitimate Fighting to words. one of uh, Allison's children is insulting. OK, you're this last paragraph, 100 percent accurate. I and I've long maintained that that was a sham offer and did more for Rainier than it did for Allison. OK, OK, I got to say, if we're keeping it leal. I am kind of thought is wild that this is literally the first email that someone sent in that said, isn't it kind of fucked up that we saw Rhaenyra killing this rando dude and throwing him in a fireplace as heroic because it set her gay husband free when this dude just got murdered straight up murdered as a pawn and you're correct to draw attention to that but also I'm pretty sure Allison just murdered a handmaid Uh huh. maybe not, maybe but yeah. Uh, well, she didn't totally
1: rebuke Laris either for his actions. Um,
0: even oh, though she he said claimed they were that done that in we've her name. She recognized
1: your zeal. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> the second Amsterdam quote for the night What is one life uh, weighed against the affairs of state? Mm. This guy had to die. This guy had to die. I mean, you got to set Lainor <laughs> free. You can't kill Lainor. That would have been even crueler,
0: right? Yeah. Uh, uh, Kingdom Harris is also black. He hasn't identified his. Yeah, but I, th- I think I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm biased. Uh, Brian from Scottsdale says, ignoring all Rainier's nonsense prior to this episode, I am so angry about how episode seven is being discussed. In my opinion, Eamon being attacked by four kids at once before having his face filleted in an altercation just reinforces that he's the bravest of any of the children. When all the characters are in Driftmark Hall, we see Rainier kids. Say, he called us bastards, and Aemon being attended to with his face cut so deeply from near his mouth to his forehead, he actually lost an eye. Are we to believe an insult is enough for this cowardly knife assault? In what world? I'm a father to a boy about Aemon's age, and in 2022, I would give serious thought to taking an eye from Jace myself. In the Westeros universe, I'd do it without a second thought. Allison's to grieve party here, people, and the fact that Viserys is Aemon's father it doesn't give a dusty fuck about the maimings. Pathetic. Um what do you think about this? Um
1: boy, there's a lot there. <laughs> there's a lot. That covers like a lot of ground. Uh, uh-huh. Sure. I agree that like cutting out your son's eye sucks. Let's also put a point on this and say Damon, this episode was a hundred percent justified in chopping a man's head off for an insult. So the same insult. The exact same insult. Um, yes. It's treason. So, 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 how did you feel about Damon doing that? Because, uh, yes, they're kids, this and is yes, a that complicates it. I'm sure he hissed and seethed. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure he was like, "That's not fair." Even though the king was going to cut him from yeah ass to eyeballs anyway, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I see them as roughly equivalent. And I cheered when Damon did it, so.
0: I, I, mean, thing, I like Eamon. I think I I hope that comes across I thought that his whole dragon game it was cool I think he's a little bully oh, kid yeah. that is you know trying to put some, give some of that back and you know I, I can see that um I will point out again for keeping allele I recall Eamon had a big ass rock in his hand uh-huh that he was about, about to, to cave someone's head in before Chase. knives came out that it was fisticuffs and mm-hmm. you know most princes ran around with knives and stuff at that time. Uh, it wouldn't be uncalled for that, like, there was already a deadly weapon brandished before the knife came out. Uh, so, like, yeah. Uh, uh, if I'm keeping it legal yeah, I, it legal. I don't know. I don't know. It's tough to say. All right. We're going to hear from the black side of the family now. Yes, please. Come on. Andrew up says, I think a couple of things are being missed in the whole team green slash black chatter. I think the reason the show is leaning into team black is because she's the actual person named as heir. Regardless of her kids, the immediate question to who is the successor. And so we're supposed to understand that the greens are in the wrong. Mm -hmm. Wrong. Mm. Wrong. I just mentioned that calling the queen, the princess's children bastards is an act of treason rhaenyra bearing bastard children is treasonous as well. Well, it is but you saying that is treasonous.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm the war commander. I'm, I'm I'm my job is to keep it leal to protect everybody here. I mm-hmm. look, I the, the the fact is if you're right about Rhaenyra's children being bastards, it's a huge problem oh. just like it was when Cersei was doing it with mm-hmm. Jamie, okay? Like, you can say it's right or wrong. You shouldn't care in 22nd, first century America, twenty That's where I'm living in the future. People catch Damn. up in 21st century America. It might not be a problem or whatever. But in this time, in this place, this is fuck. Yeah. Rhaenyra, if if there's treason committed, she committed it first. And the fact of the matter is Team Green is right. These are bastard children. These are bastard children. Neither of the parents involved care. The person passing the power doesn't care, but by the strict letter of the law, this is bullshit.
1: Mm-hmm. And but
0: how how do you say that
1: without getting your head chopped off? You can't. You can't. Like Viserys right.
0: has to be open to it, and he clearly is not. Nope. And the other thing is, you gotta you you know you've also got the whole twenty to one lords against women inheriting. Like this is like. Again, Aldo and Allison have a point here. This is not crazy uh-huh. talk. Um, if they're being leal, I think they would have got together serious and tried to find a way to make all this work and given 20 years a head start. But, you know... Oh, I think if they were being lealed, uh
1: Otto doesn't tell Allison to go to the king's bedchambers while he's grieving over his dead wife and try and get him to
0: fight. This her. is also true. That <laughs> right? was not very leal of Team Green. Now was I, it, Jim? I mean the that original be, sin
1: comes back to Otto
0: in my mind. That might be which the is most why I'm biased
1: cause. Against, yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. biased against yeah. Green because I I view them as the
0: the Eve here. And, and and is it just for the king to be biased against Team Green when just one member of Team Green is really the one that's at the court? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. That's that's for the realm to judge, I guess. <laughs> uh, Brandon Brandon Houston says, I noticed you mentioned in the instant take that there are already people siding with Team Green or Team Black. I'm not a book reader, so maybe there are more details that I don't know. But are actually people who are Team Green? I haven't seen anything <laughs> coming from that side would make me want to side with Allison or his My shitty man. children. And yet, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Uh-huh. Why? Why would anyone be t- green? Oh uh, boy. I again, again, there is there's a lot there's some both sides on here, you know? Uh let's 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 consider it. Garrett says Alicent is an allegory of a religious fanatic and draws many parallels to modern positions. In fact, it may be a bit telling of some of whom are quick to declare for team green whoa be careful about bringing real life into this buddy this <laughs> might break this might break the whole thing mm-hmm. she's habitually indi- indi- indignant throughout the course of the series mainly in relation to what she sees or suspects of Rhaenyra she self-righteously lords her traditional family role over others she's quick to draw shame towards children born out of wedlock and extramarital sex she fails to correct the sexual deviancy she knows exists within her own family and she's at peace with conceding some morality in order to employ violent means to accomplish her own ends. In this latest uh, episode, she displays a continued fervor towards her religion while at the same time covering up the sexual crimes of her progeny. One could also add misinterpreting a dead man's prophecy to justify her own crusade to the list. Um, Truly, truly a long list (laughs) of crimes committed by Queen Alison here. What do you think of this, Jim? I mean, it comes back to judging by the
1: standards of the universe she's in. The yeah. time period and the 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 time and place, and I think the thing you can get her for here is hypocrisy. Like, if she really wants to, as the adult, yeah. cloak herself in the righteousness of the Seven, then she cannot be excusing Aegon's actions and and covering them up. She has to, she has to own that hypocrisy. Um, and I don't like hypocrites. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah um I do think there's a little bit more like um intent like malicious intent here like uh quick to draw shame I was she seems like she really stuck out her neck for Rhaenyra and got it chopped off because Rhaenyra told told a sloppy lie to her Uh you know that's true um she's at peace conceding some morality in order to imply violence. yeah but she also thinks she's fighting against a person who's going to kill her murder her children who murdered Lord Laenor her own fucking mm-hmm. Lord husband by the way making her a kinslayer like yeah from Allison's perspective there's been a lot of shit on the other side of the board you know it's a good point I hadn't considered is yeah when she's murdering family
1: um, you, you kind of have to look at that and say who will she not murder my
0: kids right. oh she'll murder them no problem and that was an intentional message that Rhaenyra and Daemon right. wanted to send which makes them badasses but maybe not good people which it makes I say it kind of crazy uh,
1: uh, unless this is like some t- big uh dupe by allison it makes it kind of crazy that she's trying to bury the hatchet in this episode right like saying yeah we missed you here at king's landing come back on your dragon and we'll we'll hang out it yeah yeah, yeah. that's kind of crazy so it, it makes me feel like that's all a ruse somehow I feel like it was genuine. Like I, that, you know, I know. Like- but but isn't it crazy that that is genuine, given what she thinks? Renira is capable of.
0: It's true, but like also, and she's got her own perspective on what she's capable of. And if she murdered a handmaid earlier that in the day, she can be like, God damn, things get away from me at this level. <laughs> yeah, fair. Maybe, you know, I, because, I, and I, again, I don't think, from my perspective, I don't think this was your, your intended to think that this lasted. It's more of like, damn, right. what if Viserys actually tried a little bit harder, had a little mm-hmm. bit more Leal service from a hand? You know, what could didn't have been. lose? Yeah. 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 What if Larry hadn't gotten involved with his flower <laughs> bullshit, you know, mm-hmm. um, but the religious I mean, she is a religious fanatic. I think even judging by the times, like not many people, especially at her level, are as this zealous about the seven. Oh, no.
2: You know? She
1: brought all this into this family that, as best yes. I could tell, couldn't give a shit about it.
0: Yes. Before. Uh, Jenny says, loving your leal coverage. With the house of the dragon, thank you. I caught in this episode that v- Rhaenyra, who we're introduced to as a woman who thoroughly rejected the handy hand, hand <laughs> the handy hand, the heavy hand of her father and arranging her betrothal, just straight up arranges a cousin wedding for her bastard sons behind their back. The move is earned, and she was backed in a corner and had to make a quick Valerian alliance, but it also made me wonder what a young Rhaenyra would think watching her adult self make these kind of choices for her children that she bristled against. Mm-hmm. I think this might be part of getting older having to learn lean into the tough decisions your parents had to make that you didn't understand as a teen to her credit her sons don't necessarily look bummed by the news wondering if you caught it any thoughts you have that's rough I because when I look at this I see I think what
1: a shame I think what a shame that they've taken these kids who wanted none of this and had no ill intents and they've poured all this bullshit into them like They've saddled them with all their fucking baggage. But I guess you could see it as like, well, this is just the adult world. And now that these kids are growing up, they're going to have to be accustomed to backstabbing and power plays and bullshit like that. Maybe the adults just need to chill the fuck out a little bit and maybe stop poisoning their kids. And this stuff can stop perpetuating generation after generation.
0: Yeah, my my take is... The show has told us that the series did not take seriously grooming Rhaenyra to be an heir, and even when he said, "You know what? I need to get serious about this," we flash forward several years, and he she still was essentially his cupbearer. It's just him yelling at her, right? Like why aren't you yeah. taking this seriously? My God. Yeah. 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 Even though I'm completely checked out and not doing it. And I think <laughs> right. you're supposed to understand Jace being number one, maybe a bit more of a natural student than Renira was like, he's like totally. doing this of his own, but she's done a much better job of preparing him to mm-hmm. like be the sober serious, like not at the expense of maybe his weapons training. A lot of people get sent in emails. It's like, God damn, oh, man, yeah. maybe there's something to just like sit out in the yard and working out all day. Um, <laughs> I, I think that there is there is something to that that like Renir has done a better job of preparing her children for their role and their duty than her father did, who didn't you know like she was fifteen thinking that like I could just really ride my dragon and hang out with my best friend and eat lemon cakes all day, right? That was her mm-hmm. life's goal, and then like she gets all this shit thrown on her and still not prepared properly, whereas Jace just understands like hey, and also like um it seems like those cousins have been pretty good friends anyway. You know, like I, I thought the elder uh, Damon and, and um his children were a lot more like almost encouraging of their young, you know, like, hey, you're doing fine or you're going to be ba-. like they're they, they know their role, too. Right. And it seems like it's just working in a lot better way than Rhaenyra, who is a lot of that was acting out. Let's call it what it is. Oh, yeah. You know,
1: here's what uh, I say. Prepare your kids to change the problems in the world, not deal
0: with them. This is true. That's what I say. Some leal 21st century advice. Um, Zach says one of the reasons I think it seems the show is putting its thumb on the scale in favor of Team Black is the show's fleshing out moments that were one or two sentences in the books with full scenes and even entire episodes. This means that the characters need to be fleshed out more and their motivations come much more into focus. It seems the show has decided to portray Alicent as letting the stress and frustration building in her affect how she interacts with others more than Rhaenyra does, even to the point that she's dismissive of the small folk. The way she handled that poor servant girl really brought this home for me. They made the older Alicent the kind of person who looks at another person and says, how can they be useful to me rather than seeing the person first, the political use second, which makes sense for her character, but also makes her come off as more cold and calculating. Again, Rhaenyra just murdered a dude. So her husband could go run off with her bo- his boyfriend. Like but she didn't want to. Damon kind of like said, "Eh, we probably should." I think
1: Damon just wanted to murder that guy. He had a personal mm. grudge against that dude in particular. All right. Uh, All no, right. no, no, no. I, you're you're absolutely right. I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, yeah. She
0: she is just as calculating. Uh, meanwhile, they show Rainier is capable of kindness and doing the right thing, even when she makes it look like she isn't. Rainier's quote unquote, crimes have all been of passion, whereas Allison's have been mostly strategic. Um I, I feel like I said the fireplace, dude. thats pretty, pretty coldly calculated. That was totally. not a crime of passion. Uh, the show went out of its way to tell us that Rhaenyra wouldn't actually kill Laenora while in the same episode they showed that given the opportunity, Alicent would likely have done some real damage to Luke or Rhaenyra with that cat's paw dagger. Uh, They have Mm -hmm. just taken every opportunity to set Rhaenyra up as a character who possesses many of the traits we modern viewers expect to see in Heroes while setting up Alicent as a sort of character who's a hero's best friend in Act 1, but the enemy out for revenge by Act 3. And he notes that this is kind of a trope. Which it is. Um, mm-hmm. but but yeah like but I recognize that about the show that like you always have to filter Allison Otto's views through the lens of the show which I think is from a pro Rhaenyra point of view um, yeah which is odd because I, 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 I thought in the book like that's one of the complaints I had is like I'm not sure which team I should be on because they all seem like just awful people mm-hmm. Um, in House of the Dragon I've gained a lot more sympathy for both Otto and Allison than i started with in the book and certainly rainera and damon um so yeah like i said i feel like they're doing a pretty good job but yeah i definitely recognize that you're quote-unquote supposed to feel kinship towards team black and and if you don't like sometimes i've said made this a political thing i think it could even be like are you the oldest kid in your family or are you the youngest kid in your family Hmm. Because I think there's some frustrated older kids that are really mad at Rhaenyra and there's some maybe bullied younger kids that don't understand why people think Alicent is cool. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think there might be some, some family dynamics that are, it's not even just political and cultural. There's like familial dynamics going into this green black hurricane. Could be. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we're going to transition to the Maester's corner right after this this first email, and I will say that this is a pretty this is a potentially spoilery Maester's corner, and that I get into that beast beneath the boards and since that's a prophecy, it's forward looking. Um, Anthony's not Anthony's part of the corner's not. This next particular email is a little spoilery, but I'm going to answer it in a very as non spoilery way as I possibly can. Um, but I'm just saying that, like, if you want to be 100% unsullied, click off now. Hot the at baldmove.com is how you get in feedback. twittercom slash moves, how you follow us. If you want to support us and get in on the awesome live and very leal instant conversations after the episode, support that All right, if you're in, you're in. You're out, you're out. Now that we're at this point in the season, I want to call back to a comment you made once or twice early on. Admittedly, I'm not a book reader, but early on, you mentioned having a few ideas of where this season might end. You said you could think of a few major moments where this could make for a potential season finale. Curious if we're able to circle back to that and let us listeners know if we've gotten to any of those yet, and if so, what they are. All right. This is in a non spoilery way as I can make it, and I think it's pretty non spoilery. I think there's a potential in episode nine that there's going to be two dudes that go on a mission to accomplish a strategic goal. And another dude is going to try to hinder one of them. <laughs> okay. If that's true, I think in episode ten, as a result, two other dudes will be sent on a reprisal mission. Okay? Mm. Now if you're a book reader, you're nodding vigorously. If you're not, I think you're confused as fuck, and that's Very. exactly what I'm trying to intend, okay? <laughs> but at the end, of the, this, will, this should get me my internet credits. It's possible that the two dudes on a mission being hindered by another dude is actually the climax of season one, but I actually think it's going to be a penultimate, and then, you know, there'll be a, yeah. So anyway, uh, look look out for that. Look out for dudes doing stuff and reprising. <laughs> sure. There's still lots of hot D to talk about. We'll be back right after the break. And now back to Hot D. Guess what? It's Maester's Corner time. Of course, that means it's time for Anthony to join us for the Maester's Corner. Welcome back to the
2: Maester's Corner, Maester Anthony. Happy to be back. Ready to do the community some Leal service? I'm feeling very Leal this morning, Aaron. Yes. All right. All right. I like, like, like to get, get in a Leal check. Uh, I've got
0: a. Something that is gonna necessarily track in spoilers, so I intend it to be kind of the last thing that people hear. Are you, are you got a really spoilery master's corner, or
2: no, I don't. Are you safe for general audiences? Yeah, this is this is all very PG. So I okay. I'm gonna give you, do you. Did you ever read when you were a kid? Did you ever read the Choose Your Own Adventure books? Oh, I loved it. Badlands
0: of Hark. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. I, that's that's that was my jam back. Okay. Good. This is great. All right.
2: So, today's going to be a choose-your-own-adventure edition of the Maestros Corner. Uh, Oh, boy. There's two doors you can go through, all right? So, door number one is Jewish mythology. Door number two is Druidism. Mm, They're both
0: fascinating. I got to say... Jewish stuff's been in the news for all the wrong reasons uh the last week. Uh yeah, so maybe sure. maybe we can let's 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 go let's let's lean into that topic.
2: Okay, good. All right, so uh let's we're opening the door. The door creaks open. Aaron steps through the door and Am he, I eaten by a guru? <laughs> <laughs> uh the the door the door in fact was made of weirwood, but uh as he steps mm. through he sees the old familiar story of Jacob and Esau. Now, oh yeah, I, I name checked them on the the instant podcast. Yeah, I think yeah. that there's there's some serious Jacob and Esau stuff happening in this episode. So um, now, a lot of our listeners will have you know known this story all of their lives, and I my guess is that a lot of other listeners have never heard this story before. But I, you know, we got this. Email a few weeks back from a listener who said maybe Nemiria had Moses vibes. And I mm-hmm, was like mm, mm-hmm. I don't know. Look at Lady True. You know, let's, let's, look, let's look at other places because I'm not sure that the biblical parallel really works here. In this case I think Alicent has some serious Rebecca vibes. So let me just sort of lay the case and i'm not going to tell the whole story but the the basic is that what you need to know is that rebecca is absolutely jockeying for position for her son not, you know not for herself but for her son and i think in that way she kind of parallels rebecca who number 1 believes earnestly she's got an oracle from the lord that will upset the usual line of succession all right, so there's the first thing, and then what she does is she thinks, well, if we're going to make this oracle come to fruition, we're going to need to use every trick in the book to do it. And so what she does is she goes, she has, she knows her husband is like a dotard, He was never very bright to begin with. He's on his deathbed and he's blind, and she said, "I bet you." And she tells this to Jacob. She says, Jacob, if you go in there and pretend like you're your older brother, um, he's just going to bless you and give you the inheritance. Go go do it. And he's like, "Eh, I'm a pretty smooth-skinned guy, and my brother's pretty hairy. What what am I going to do about that? She says, okay, well, here's what we'll do. We will give you some goat skin, and you're going to put it on your hands and neck. And when he kisses you... And he feels you, he's going to feel that you're a very hairy fellow. And <laughs> this this seems to work. Like I said, I don't know if I if was, Isaac was this ever very, the... very. <laughs> <laughs> it's smart yeah, practice.
0: I remember reading this in the Bible story books and being like, really? Goat skin? Uh-huh. That's kind gonna... of. But I mean, he's an old guy. He's an he, old guy. He's
2: an old guy. He's on his deathbed. And I don't think he's a very sharp knife. I, I I just that's just my impression. This is this, this is this is Isaac slander, by yes. the way. I don't know about this. <laughs> it absolutely it is. Alright, so <laughs> uh anyway, this, this seems to work fine. And um in addition to all of that, the old man requests he goes out of his way to request a final meal. Alright, so I think it's interesting to look at these sometimes these stories through these old like like archetypal stories. I think that Martin likes them too and I think Martin mm-hmm. sometimes will draw parallels. The way that Martin oh, draws sure. these parallels is that he never gives you sort of a one to one mapping. You know, he never says, "Okay, that character is this character and that character is that character." Um because right. these stories don't fit perfectly together, but I think that we're given a little clue early in the episode when Allison Confuses one twin brother for the other. She uh, she thinks it's Arik when it's Eric, or it's Eric when it's Arik, oh, or yeah. something like that, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. And I think that that's a little red flag to the readers. Like this is we're playing with this. We're gonna play with this whole twin thing, and and so of course then we you know we've got this old blind guy. Uh, he's confused. He wants a final meal, and he's about to. Uh, You know, choose a a successor. And at the end of the day, the the thing that he says on his deathbed ends up going a different direction. So I think that that was interesting. And I also think that even if these stories don't map on one-to-one, here's what we do know. We know that these showrunners are interested in the whole twin problem. There's lots of twins running around Westeros. So I would just say... Keep your eye on the twins. They, they they seem to have some kind of importance in the in the story that that they like to tell. Very well. Uh, I want to before
0: I get into my uh, corner of the maester's corner. I don't <laughs> we we don't even have a triangle here. How do you have a corner if there's just two pieces to it? Like it's uh, if we had mm. four or three, but uh, we got we got a linear corner. I don't know. Um. It's my, you, in my, in my me, and the story. That's the triangle, right there. You go, uh, Martin. Martin's the third, the third leg of the stool. <laughs> sure. uh, beware the third leg. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about this uh, Helena, who's been very prolifically prophetic in the last few weeks. Yeah, I love it. And she uttered kind of like an offhand prophecy before her toast, uh, the the from from the this this week's episode, where she says, "Beware the beast beneath the boards." Now, now do we,
2: should we issue another spoiler? I, I, warning? I want to issue
0: another spoiler warning yeah, yeah. that I am going to necessarily look forward into the how uh, the 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 Fire and Blood and project forward in the House of the Dragon to see where this might go. So this is this is really for for for, for more than anything, uh, people who've read the books and are kind of like scratching their heads, wondering, you know, how does this a figure? Uh, before I go further, um, Anthony, have you recently reread Fire and Blood? Are you kind of going in this, you know? Yeah. Because I know you and I both read it, like, when it first came out about three years ago, two, right. three years so, ago.
2: So, yeah. So here's what I did. You know, when we read it a couple of years ago, um, I read it well enough to be able to talk about it. Um, I didn't do a super close reading. And then this time around, I'm reading it a little bit more closely, but I'm reading it in segments. So I can yeah, kind same, of experience same. the episode and then, like, read the next bit to see what, you know, what, what's going Th- that's- on. That's that's what I'm doing
0: too. I, before this season began, I read the whole dance. So I got a good overview. And then as I'm reading, I'm, I'm reading where I, I think each chapter is going to go each week, or I I think where we're going to get to each Mm -hmm. week. And, you know, usually we're a little short of that. Um, but yeah. And I, and last weekend I went and read what I think is going to be the next season's worth of information too. So I'm, I've I've got, I've got a a good foundation. Um, Mm. So, but this is your last opportunity to bail out. If you are a show watcher only, uh, you are supposed to be. Obviously, you think this is fascinating, mysterious, um, but this is is potential spoilers. It's going to... Potentially spoil a couple different storylines because mm-hmm. there's, there's various different possibilities. Just get out. Get out. I've never, I've never ever gotten a feedback where people have said, you know, I was kind of on the fence about listening to spoilers or not, and I listened to spoilers and it made me so much happier yeah. and more fulfilled. <laughs> Almost universally the yeah. opposite is right. what I get. Like, oh, I was tempted and that shit. Just, so just, just get out if you haven't read the yeah. books. All right. Yeah. Everybody here should be book readers. What is the beast beneath the boards? I think the satisfied is prophecy. There has to be a beast or bestial figure, and it's got to okay. be singular, and it's got to be beneath boards plural. Okay. Okay. And I'm following. it has to be uh, uh, Helena's prophecy seemed to be fulfilled sooner rather than later. I'm not thinking this is like a four or five seasons from now prophecy. I think this is a se- the prophecy that's potentially going to be immediately fulfilled, like her other ones. You know, her brother has to close an eye. He gets Vagar, loses his eye. Uh, hand uh, spins of dragons of flesh and thread. We see auto right away manufacturing the conditions, you know, going into the Dance of Dragons. Uh, that That's probably going to have immediate fulfillment next season. So, Beast Beneath the Boards. The number one thing that people are buzzing about is this character of blood and cheese. Are you familiar?
2: You Remind me on this.
0: Okay, so blood and cheese are going to be as I'm going to. I'm still, oh, even though yeah, I yeah, told yeah, everybody yeah. stay away. <laughs> I'm to be. I'm not going to be very specific, but they're assassins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I who are dispatched that. to King's Landing on a revenge mission uh-huh. during the opening, you know, during the earlier stages of of the dance. Okay, mm-hmm. and they infiltrate the palace by way of the secret paths in the castle walls, um, which I think well fulfills the beneath the boards part. Right, one of them is a rat catcher, probably how he knows all the places. He's the official rat catcher of the Red Keep. Probably how he knows all the dark places of the castle. And rat catcher obviously has an association with beasts. Yes. Um and there's an extremely high danger in end back to the characters and Helena herself. You know, she's going ah, 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 to she's going to be put in a, in a in a possible situation by by these uh, this blood and cheese fellow. And I'm kind of scouted out where i think they're going to end the season and it's entirely possible that the initial event happens next episode and the revenge thing happens the, in, in episode 10 i think it'd be maybe a little bit of a hurry up offense way to tell the story but i think this is highly likely to happen either in the closing moments of this season or in the in the beginning moments of next season
2: oh, um, interesting and we do know that i mean i guess it shouldn't be that big of a surprise but we do know that rats are all over the place in these high lords chambers right yeah and we're i'm gonna get to
0: that here in a bit too because there's several different now the only thing i don't like about this is if she'd said beasts i'd be on board but like i have a hard time saying beware the beast beneath the boards and we're talking about two fellows you know Hmm. she didn't say two-headed beast she said the beast Mm -hmm. beneath the boards all right so that's possible. I don't like that possibility because it doesn't it's it's messy. Okay. Um some people refer think it refers to Amond. Now, you might be aware that board is an old timey way to refer to food. And it's still retained yeah. in the phrase room and board. That means you get a place to stay and a place to eat. And yeah, it yeah. literally referred to the concept before we had tables, before we decided to waste floor space with tables, when it's time to eat at like an inn or a tavern, they would have these kind of like sawhorse things and they'd literally lay down a rough cut board over these sawhorses and everybody would sit on benches and you'd eat and as soon as everything was done, you'd take the board away. Also, food was served on boards. You know, they didn't have platters and plates and whatnot. You just come, you know, bring the shit in on these big planks. There's two possibilities here. One, vague in general, Helena is saying, despite all the apparent friendly vibes and comedy that we've managed to arrive at at this point in the the King's dinner, there's still the seething jealousy and resentment that King Viserys has been kind of raging about of late. And it's simmering beneath the surface of the situation. And the beast is the beastly behavior of house Targaryen in general that, you know, even though we're all nice and happy, happy beware the beast simmering Mm. beneath the board, the boards. Um, But I don't like that because usually the boards are singular you know, when you refer to it in this way and it's also like a vague, immediately fulfilled prophecy. Don't like it. It's a little but bit, Aemon, Yeah, it's a little bit vague here. Eamon's interesting because he's literally five minutes after she says there is servants that take a board with a boar and put it over his head as they're serving him, and mm-hmm. he's briefly a beast ah. beneath the board. <laughs> I missed that.
2: Yeah. Right.
0: Uh, but it would be again. It would be better if she had said the beast beneath the board. But she said the be- beast beneath the boards. There weren't multiple boards. I don't like it. Also, Amond as a beast.
2: Eh, eh. Um, well, I, I, I don't and, like that one. And as close well. your ears if you don't want to hear this. But um, you know, Amond will kill someone at that table. Right. So it's true. That's true. Right, um, so. Gaiman, pale hair.
0: This is the one that I think is a big, big reach. So this guy is going to figure in to the end, towards the end of the dance. And he's an alleged bastard of Aegon the Elder, because he's going to probably sow a lot of bastards the way he's carrying on. And Mm. his mother, who is a sex worker at a King's Landing brothel, sets up a shop in a period of confusion and pretender kings where there's kind of a lull and you know there's uh, uh, there's not any, a clear immediate ruler um, she installs him as a king in king's landing in a pleasure house in in the you know flea bottom or wherever and starts he has starts issuing and he's very young he's like i don't know 5 6 years old maybe 7 or 8 and he he issues these edicts such as women and men should be equal under the law and knights that have been maimed in battle and men-at arms should be fed and housed by the lords which they suffered their wounds you know like like really insanely mm. progressive stuff for the sure. day um now there's a couple problems there. he's not really a beast he's this little kid and he just un- he just issues unbelievably based guidance uh that no one follows and also his uprising is swiftly put down and he turned he, he he essentially becomes a royal hostage because the king. Uh, the you know the, the the person eventually takes charge, takes pity on him because of his age. He's kind of been misled by these women, um, so he kind of becomes a royal hostage. It's and it's it's also pretty small stuff by House of the Dragon standards. There is not much broad impact in in the, this guy. So I don't I don't I don't like it. I don't know why people are super excited about the Game and Pale Hair possibility. Um, there's also the chance that she's warning about Missaria. Masari is back in this episode one of Masarius alter egos is the white worm and yeah, a lot of people would, that think that would oh, satisfy the beast part of it, it right? the beast and I saw some people quibble about well is a worm really a beast well keep in mind that in this universe a worm can also embody a dragon like yeah. Damon's big dragon Caraxes is known as the red worm because of his noodly neck and his general kind of Way yeah, he, even he like ancient,
2: l- a lot of ancient texts will like deride dragons as as worms and things like that. So
0: yeah, so that's a lot more badass than like you know you think of gray worm. Uh, you know like white worm could be like she's a she's a dragon lady kind of. Right. Um. It also seems likely that since Damon knows about the tunnels in the Red Keep, his lover Masari would too. I think she's really prime beast beneath the boards warning material because she is going to. You know, we got these two uh, opposing spy masters. You got Larry Strong and you got the White Worm. Um, They're going to be doing a lot of dark deeds. I think this is this this satisfies the general kind of, you know, prophetic warning that this this person's back and and operating. And then finally, we got rats in general. And, you know, this is the one that I'm kind of going because, like, all throughout this season, we've seen rats skulking about you know, there's this been odd fixation on showing rats, you know, going along the floorboards and lapping up the royal blood and, and nipping at the edges of Asirius's empire here, right? Just generally mm-hmm. causing trouble. And we've already discussed the really hot theory that Larry Strong is a green seer and maybe a secret warg and can, in fact, use rats as his legions of spies and eyes all throughout King's Landing. And the only thing I, and, and, and so Helena is essentially warning about the eyes all around them. Um, the only thing I don't like about it is, it's beast and not beasts. I wish he'd said beasts beneath the boards. Yeah. But um, if it is,
2: if it is Larry, I mean, I, I would love this. I don't, I oh, don't, cause he's like, the, don't know. He'd be the, yes, he'd be he's the, the rat wark. with
0: two eyes and a thousand, right? He'd be yeah. a singular rat. Yeah. That's the, the rat general, <laughs> the rat king. The Rat King, so he's it's it's the mini be it's the mini rats, but only a single pair of eyes that are right. that are using he's the beehives. Okay, okay. I I really like you know this this doesn't have a lot of predictive. I like it a lot already, too, but I, but just I like it like a lot.
2: I, I I lean in two different ways. I think if you think of the first episode, the first season of this show, like the first season of Game of Thrones you don't really see the dragons until the very end. So that's like the magical mm. reveal. Yeah. And so then the question is is this show leaning away from the magic because it wants to do a big reveal at the end or is this show is like no, they're here for the politics. And we got we got dragons on every screen, you know, every episode has a dragon. So i i would love to see Larry I, I'd love to see Larry the Warg. That that would be awesome. I'd love to
0: see. You him. know, and it would also it also line up really strongly with the first season of Game of Thrones, where we essentially didn't have a lot of magic until yep. Bam, we had the miraculous survival of Danny and her showing up naked as the Mother of Dragons. Right, that's the reveal at the end. It would be kind of fucking absolutely cool if one of the last scenes we see is Larry Strong sitting in his quarters, where he's wherever he is, as the <laughs> Lord Confessor, Master Whispers, and he's got them white eyes.
2: You know, because yeah. he's yeah.
0: he's seeing something he shouldn't be
2: seeing, <laughs> and that would be that would be sufficiently jarring for both book readers and non, because yeah. they would be departing from the the source material if that's the case. Yeah, Laris is. I mean, it's not. I wouldn't call it a departure because
0: you know Laris is up to a lot of shit, and it's a very mysterious and vague. But it's just the exact kind of like. Mm-hmm. Fleshing out and putting in color that I think the show is doing an incredible job of is like, is, is, is seeing, especially if Martin is there saying like, Hey uh, guys, you know, I actually intended this Larry guy to be a little bit more like Mm -hmm. I, I, it's, it's, I kind of think it's perfect. It's, it's my favorite of the, the beast. Well, I like Um, it too.
2: I do like it too. I, I, I'm a little bit, the Masaria thing also kind of delights me. Um, I'm trying to figure out what the boards are. If it's Masaria. Well, so I just think that she also can use these tunnels too
0: because Damon knows about oh, okay. them. okay. She, like, Damon, what's the odds that he used. Oh, and uh, we know she's got a spider network.
2: And she, she's, she has a, she's functioning. She's now built in that way yes. too,
0: right? Yes. Yes, exactly. And her loyalties, because we know she's taken coin from Otto at one point. We know right. she's worked with Damon at one point. Like, her loyalties are very much up in the air. You know, is she going to be team yeah. black, team team And, green? and when is she uh, be Talia white? comes
2: to her at the end. Yeah. She sa- she already knows what's been happening at the castle. You know, like Talia yeah. shows up to like, "Okay, I'm going to give you my report." And she's like, "It's been an eventful day at the castle." So it's almost like she's got mm-hmm. eyes all over the place. She already knows what yeah. happened. So, she's very well connected. I like Larry. I would love Larry. It's interesting that we didn't get any Larry this episode. Um mm-hmm. and so maybe the the possible name check would be interesting to have in this episode
0: yeah going um, he's gonna anyway be the beast let me ask you this before I, be, before i let you go i've been asking some of my uh, professional poly uh, poly podcaster colleagues colleagues um yep. i've been asking them what they think of the myseria equals layla theory which I didn't give a lot of currency um, until this week when she was prominently uh, put in in comp- the company of the White Worm, and I noticed that they're fixing her hair up a lot like the old lady Melis- Melisandre. Uh-huh. Yeah, she's got red hair. Her features are very similar to Clarice von Houten. Uh, I'm starting to give a little bit more credence to the 300-year-old Maesteria cutting her teeth on some Song of Ice and Fire prince that was promised action here on King's Landing. What are you? Are you in or out on the Melisandre theory?
2: I think I'm out. And I did note, you know, in my discussion with Steve this week, I did note that they they were really leaning into the Mel costuming. You know, if you go they back, really look, are if you go back and, and rewatch the the first episode of season two it's not just like she's a white ver- in her her dress isn't just like the white version of Mel's red dress it's like her hair's the same um, yes so the costume, the, the is hair really is what the same.
0: got the, the hair is what really got me yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Um, now I will but here's what I will say I will say that uh-huh. I think that the if if you want to portray a character like this one with a little bit of mystique, a little bit of like, maybe there's more to her than meets the eye. Uh, You know, maybe we should be thinking about her in terms of magic and not necessarily just a good spy. I think that Mel is a great homage in this universe. Um, So I think it's more of an homage. I don't think it's necessarily, um, I, I don't think it's it's the same person. So that's All just right. my well, view. Something I'm keeping my my eye on, uh,
0: my rats, my, my dozens of rats' eyes on uh, this mm-hmm. this character floating around in this area. Because, you know, that um, they haven't really established this yet, but, like, in the... You know, it's one of those things where it's like, I can't tell if she's just a powerful woman and therefore must be a witch because I see that a lot in the Song of Ice and Fire. Sure. But, like they definitely make her seem like she's got magical dark powers in the book. And yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. it would be an interesting connection if she, uh that they, they, you know, essentially that the uh, Melisandre is tootling under her. And the other thing is like Melisandre might not need her Ruby to keep her looking young, because I think she said she was about 300 years old. She would be about 200, you know, like 250 ish years old, maybe if she got started, hmm. uh, you know, like around this period. Um, I think, Yeah, I don't know. I'm 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 hot on a theory right now. The only thing that made makes me pause is I was talking to uh, Kim Renfro. I know you've talked to her, too. Yeah. And she pointed out that that uh, the person playing this uh, Layla character is Miguel Sapochnik's uh, spouse and executive producer on the show. So it might (laughs) just be a fun. It just might be something fun that they're doing given like, you know, let's uh,
2: let's make her a a very minor character in a show just for just for yucks, you know in the same way that egg. they kind of like like nodded to mushroom in that one episode. Yeah. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. we're going to at least nod. You know, we're not this I is not going to be a like, feature, but we're going to nod. I still feel like that's a bullshit mushroom. I do not accept him as a rightful mushroom. <laughs> not I'm not looking my forward to the mushroom. Not not my mushroom.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's not nearly I mean that's the thing is maybe mushroom when he's old and telling stories to maesters for coin, maybe he embellishes how like out of pocket. He was, <laughs> but that was mm. a pretty tame mushroom by book standards. Sure. I don't think the, <laughs> I don't think mushroom would agree with the maesters telling of mushroom is what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, well, all right. sir, I, instead Maester of Anthony, where can people, where can people find you if they want to follow along the, uh, and forge their maesters chains with you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Double dragon. But I do want to mention that once this show is over, that, as you know, Aaron, this feed will continue to uh, to be fertile ground for discussion. Um, so we are going to continue with our close reading chapter by chapter of the original book series. Uh, we're going to jump into the prologue of A Clash of Kings, which is book two. As soon as this season is over... And uh, and you and I have been discussing uh, ways to, you know, continue conversations about House of the Dragon and about the, sort of the, the general Martinverse. Um, so we might be able to feature a, a larger conversation of that every week. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to mention I, we're, we're, this particular we're, we're, feed. Go ahead. Yeah, we
0: are spitballing because um, I, I feel like I have had a booster shot of Game of Thrones enthusiasm. Uh-huh. This show is really like, and I don't think a lot of people are feeling the same way. It's like, God damn, I miss Game of Thrones. I feel bad about what happened in seven and eight. This show is kind of like re reminding me why I like this universe so much, why I like Martin's kind of world so much. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to commit to a, at least a season, if if not an ongoing commitment to you know bringing in yeah not like I said not not sure exactly what the format is and all that kind of stuff, but uh, I am re- looking forward to revisiting a clush of kings and yeah. Uh, yeah continue to keep the party going in between seasons.
2: Yeah, so as soon as the show's over, just just stick around with us. You can either read along. I know a lot of people like to do that, or just. Just tune into the conversation. Use the conversation as cliff notes, just to kind of get a, a view into the book world. Uh, a lot of people like to do that too. So there you go.
0: All right, Maester Anthony, thanks for joining us on the corner again, and we'll see you next week. Can't wait. All right, uh, we got we got still. I'm sure a few people are listening through the spoilery stuff. Uh, Paul had a correction to last um, Maester's corner. Or a potential correction. He says, on the feedback episode from season one, episode seven, you stated the base of the high tower is made of the same greasy black stone used to make yin or the toad idol. That's actually not the case. The base is made of mysterious black stone, but it's called the fused black stone, which is made using dragon fire. It's also seen throughout the world in places like the Five Forts, which is kind of like the wall in Essos. Yes, it's the, the I think it's kind of like the Great Wall of China analogue. Uh, that means it's still interesting because that few stone is made long before dragons were thought to be Westeros, but I didn't think the deep one connection you were drawing holds given the two different types of black stone in play. Okay. When, when I read this email, my heart sank because I'm, ah, oh, shit. I wonder if Master Meister Anthony fucked this up because when we wrote our gods of thrones books, I think I did most of the work on the deep, the, 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 the what do you call it? The gray joys, the, the drown God religion. And I'm like, Maybe he did, did misremembered that. So I looked it up, and it, I think we're both, we're all right. It's the best kind of right you can be. When I looked up on the wiki of Ice and Fire, it says the foundation of the high tower on Battle Island at Hol- Old Town is a square, labyrinthine fortress of fused black stone. Its, remnants, its appearance is reminiscent of the dragon roads of the Valerian Freehold and the black walls of Valantis, a Valerian colony. Uh, but there is no archaeological evidence of Valerians at Old Town. Um, so they go on and says the fortress is plain and unadorned, unlike the fused stone constructions of the Valerians who twisted and shaped the fused stone to ornament their buildings. Archmaster Quillian suggests a connection between the fortress and the maze makers of Lorath. The legends of Lorath claim the maze makers were destroyed by something from the sea. Maester Theron, a bastard of Ironborn ancestry, suggests in a strange stone that there is a connection between the High Tower's base and the sea stone chair. And they were created by the Deep Ones, a legendary race created by the breeding of sea creatures with humans and which may have inspired the legends of Merlings. I think we're properly to understand that this fused black stone is the oily black stone of the Deep Ones that has been fused together by Dragonstone or Dragonfire. So it's correct to say that the high tower base does have the connection that greasy deep one blackstone. It has been fused qu- qu- very puzzlingly by dragonfire, but it's still tied to the deep ones and to the gray jo- uh, the gray joys uh, drowned gods and all that stuff, uh, and has that sea connection even in the canon. So, so I think we're I think we, we ended up all being right in this one, Paul. But thanks for the feedback uh that's going to be it for us this week hot d at Baldmove.com. if you want to send in more feedback if you want to follow along with everything we're doing twitter.com slash is the best way and if you want to support what we're doing here in bald move including and you get you get you get you get stuff in return it's not just feel good no 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 ad free feeds you get the uh, ability to participate live with us on our sunday uh after episode instant take chats and much more Support. support.baldmove.com if you want to make that happen otherwise we'll see everybody on sunday night for the instant take we'll see the club members for the live instant take and instant talk and uh we'll just do it again we're heading into uh dudes dudes on missions <laughs> right reprisal dudes reprising until until next time i'm aaron and i'm jim see ya